What's up and welcome into the Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson at the Auctioner Sports Performance Center inside Studio B. Hope this Monday finds you well and I feel like for some of you it is because the Super Bowl and the NFL season is over. 242 days until Saints opening day. I know a lot of you are already counting down and a lot of you are ready to put this past season to bed as Super Bowl 53 comes to a close yesterday in Atlanta. The Patriots fall to the Patriots, excuse me, defeat the Los Angeles Rams 13 to three. I'm not sure how all of you think about how the Super Bowl went as far as whether you feel a lot better that the Rams only scored three points or do you feel even more frustrated the fact that I'm sure the Saints would have scored more than three points maybe on the opening drive. So um, I'll let you all decide that and feel free to chime in if you want um, on that situation. But we'll also get Rod Walker's opinion on that he covers he's a columnist for the advocate and of course was there at super bowl 53 so we'll kind of talk to him about just a game in general um kind of the overall thoughts on the atmosphere there without the city of new orleans and um how Atlanta was as a host and kind of just a reaction from the national media there leading up to the game i don't think as much build up on the super bowl as there was in the past one a lot of nba news throughout the week but two just the fact that the city of new orleans who has no doubt the most passionate fan base in the NFL um, was unable to participate in that, but you all participated yesterday and a big shout out to the entire city for the boycott bowl, the no call bowl, anything you want to call it. Fans dressed up as flags and referees and you name it. What a turnout. Seeing some of those videos on the Saints digital platforms was really cool to see. It was a beautiful day out. People celebrated um, and kind of were, were ready to move on. And so just a, Big hats off to all those that attended um, yesterday. It looked like it was really cool, and you got the entire country's attention based on how many people were showing up to those events. You can see it all over the national the national media as well. So nice job yesterday, and I feel like maybe this kind of puts some closure to it. I'll ask Rod about that as well. I don't know if you feel closure from yesterday after the game was over. If you're kind of like, all right, this season's over, time to move on now with the NFL draft and free agency and things like that, but... Um, we'll see how it goes here for New Orleans Saints fans. Maybe a little bit of a hangover um, this week just based on the fact that it's still kind of fresh in everyone's mind. So, And, of course, you all showed up as far as the TV ratings. The lowest of any market and the lowest ever in New Orleans was last night's television ratings. And overall, around the country, it was the lowest rating for, an, for a Super Bowl since the 09 Super Bowl between the Cardinals and the Steelers. So I think the New Orleans market certainly had an effect on that. As the city of New Orleans warned everyone that not as many people were going to watch that Super Bowl. Some places had Super Bowl, the Saints Super Bowl win over the Colts on on their TV. Some of them actually had the game. So I'm curious how many of you all actually watched, but it didn't seem like a lot of you here in New Orleans. And again, didn't miss much. 13 to three was your final score. Not a lot of action yesterday. So um, again, we'll talk to Rod Walker about that. Um, get his reaction from Atlanta. Then we'll talk Pelicans here on the Black and Blue Report. Another busy week for New Orleans, four games from Monday to Saturday, and it starts tonight with the Indiana Pacers. They're kind of going through some things right now without their star player, Victor Oladipo, who was out, who is out for the rest of the season due to injury with that ruptured quad. They've lost four of their last five games. It's also another matchup between Holiday Brothers. It's Drew versus younger brother Aaron for the first time in Aaron's young career. So we'll talk to Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com about that and kind of Talk about some of the young guys who have stepped up. Unfortunately, a loss on Saturday to the San Antonio Spurs, but it came down to the wire after the Pelicans were down double digits for most of the game. So you're liking the fight of this team and some of these young guys getting 
some meaningful minutes, really taking advantage of it. So lots to talk about on this Monday. Super Bowl talk with Rod Walker, Pelicans talk with Jim Eikenhofer. All of that on this Monday is yours right now. This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here's Daniel Sellerson. As I mentioned in our first segment, joining me now is Rod Walker, columnist for The Advocate. Of course, he was in Atlanta yesterday for Super Bowl 53. Rod, I I have my thoughts on last night's game. I want to hear yours just based on the fact that it was kind of lackluster, in my opinion. What were your thoughts on last night's game for the Patriots and the Rams? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I wrote a column about it after the game. That was sort of how I started off. You know, I was talking about the people who decided to uh, not watch the game, the ones, you know, back in New Orleans who um, attended the boycott poll. I don't think they missed a whole lot um, <laughs> by not tuning in. I mean, it was pretty lackluster game. I mean, if you like defense, I mean, I guess maybe it was okay, but uh, I didn't think it was very exciting. And most of the people in the press box seemed to feel the same way about the game. <laughs> And make sure you can read Rod's column today. It's really good. And uh, part of it is also talking about how the Saints fans react. Do you feel like last night's game sort of made Saints fans feel a little angrier just based on the fact that the Rams only scored three points? Yeah, well, I think going to the game, I think Saints fans probably felt that way anyway. But I think, yeah, when you saw the Rams play, you're like, man, I know we could have scored more than three points. I mean, at least you think that. But, I mean, it's football and sometimes, you know, games go that way. But I think the Saints definitely – um would have had a better showing. I mean, uh, and I know the crowd would have been better if the Saints were there, just because I mean, if you um, listen to the crowd last night, I mean, it felt to me like it was seventy-five percent um, Patriots, and um, the rest, I guess, would be Rams fans. And you really, you really never could even tell that until the Patriots finally scored that touchdown with seven minutes left in the game, and that was like the only big roar of the night that you really heard. So I mean, it was just, yeah, it was sort of a quiet, subdued, subdued um, atmosphere for most of the game, I think, until that touchdown finally happened and the place sort of exploded. And you're like, whoa, okay, we need to take this in here, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much sums up the game, that's for sure. You were, you were there all week, Rod, as far as you talking to other reporters, other executives around the league, coaches, players. Did, did this game feel a little different just based on how things went for the Rams and the Saints as far as the no call? Um, was that a lot of the talk leading up to this game, or did kind of people focus on the Rams and the Patriots? No, I mean, I think it was definitely people talking about the no-call. and I, you know, The week, I don't think the game really got to normal until Wednesday after um, Roger Goodell spoke, and then I think it finally sort of put that no-call to bed. But leading up to that, I mean, that's all everyone was talking about. And if you had a chance to listen to the or watch the actual press conference for Goodell, um, I mean, he spoke for 40 minutes, and like eight minutes of that was questions pertaining to the no-call. And, you know, these were questions coming from a lot of those questions from the national media. You know, they were just um, just into that call just as much as you know people back in you know New Orleans were. So yeah, I mean the no call was definitely a big topic. And like I said, once Goodell addressed it, I mean I think it sort of people started focusing on the game after that. But from Monday to Wednesday, I mean, that's all everybody was talking about. And um, so yeah. How many Saints fans did you see in Atlanta? I know there was probably not as much as, of course, there would have been if they made the Super Bowl, but did you happen to see any in Atlanta that were actually attending the game? Um, I didn't see any at the actual game. Um, I remember Monday, my first day is, um, there. I went to the um, NFL Experience, which is like a fan, you know, where fans can interact and do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. With, um, just a lot of activities for fans. I 
it took me like 30 minutes to find my first Saints fan, and then I found a couple, and then I found uh, maybe two or three more, but there weren't a whole lot of them in the city at all. But, you know, I'd see some, you know, throughout the week, you know, here and there, but not many at all. And, you know, I, and there were a lot of people in town, you know, um, especially Saturday, um, but um, you have to wonder, like, if the Saints did, just how much, how many more people would have been here. I mean, it would have been crazy to see Atlanta with that many <laughs> um, Saints fans in town. I was going to ask you how Atlanta did as a host. This is their first Super Bowl hosting in a while. The last time there was a big ice storm, and of course it was that Rams-Titans game that came down to the wire. But as a host with a basically a brand new stadium and kind of everything that happened between the Rams and the Saints, and of course you mentioned it, probably not as many people as there would have been if the Saints made a Super Bowl, but as a host city and kind of everything you encompass as far as media as far as the NFL experience and the actual game and all the logistics, how did Atlanta do as a host city? I thought they did a really good job as a host city. I think, um, especially for the media, I mean, the hotels that we were in was, you know, close to everything. You could walk in places. It's, you know, sort of like New Orleans is as far as hotels and accommodations. You can get there where you need to get um, pretty well. So that part I thought they handled really well. And, um, Overall, I would say they did, they did a really good job with it. Um, like I said, I was, I'd be curious to see how they would have done with that many more fans in town because the New Orleans have been here. I mean, I think you have twice the number of people that they did in the past. Well, I just saw before I was talking to you, Rod, I was looking up. Uh, they talked about the overnight television rating for the Super Bowl, and it was the lowest since '09 when it was the Cardinals and the Steelers. Are you surprised that by that? And how much do you think the New Orleans fan base had an effect on that rating? I think that New Orleans fan base definitely did have a, an effect on it, but I think even without that call, I still think it would have been down because the Rams just don't have a really good, you know, they have a good fan base. I mean, it's a team that was, you know, out of L.A. for 21 years when they had moved to St. Louis, and they've only been back in, you know, back just a third year back. So I think that would have been, that would have had an effect. I think New England, you know, they've been here so many times. People are, there are people that are tired of seeing the same team win. I mean, that's what you get when you have a, uh, dynasties like that. I mean, people just sort of you know, get tired of watching the same old team play over and over again. And, uh, so I think it would have been, I mean, if you got Kansas City, Kansas City and New Orleans in the Super Bowl, I think you might break the record. <laughs> it could have been, you know, the opposite uh, ratings result for this game. So I think that just, it kind of came to two teams regardless of that no call. The no call didn't help it, you know, for sure, but I think this, these ratings will probably be down anyway with those two teams. And, so absolutely, and of course, I know you're in Atlanta, but I'm sure you saw video of everything going down here in New Orleans yesterday, the boycott bowl, the no-call bowl, you can name it, but Saints fans threw themselves a party yesterday um, trying not to watch that Super Bowl. From watching all that video, um, what were your thoughts on how on how the city of New Orleans reacted yesterday? Uh, it was insane. I know, it was, you know you see all the videos on social media, and, and I was like showing it to people in the press, so I was like, well, what are we doing back home? And everybody was just amazed by it, and... Um, yeah, it was really an impressive turnout. I mean, I knew it was going to be big, but I had no idea it was going to be as big as it turned out being. And, um, and that speaks well for the um, people in New Orleans and it says a lot about that fan base and just how passionate they are about football that they were able to, um, you know, put that no call, well, maybe not put it behind them, but, you know, turn it into a, a good thing and something to celebrate. And we all know New Orleans doesn't mind <laughs> celebrating anything. So. I think it you know, just says a lot about that fan base. I think there was more coverage on New Orleans than there was in the Super Bowl yesterday just based on the fact that so many people turned out. You're right. It was pretty impressive, that's for sure. Um, now that the season is finally over, I think 
Saints fans are kind of ready for the season to be over. Saints posted 242 days left until opening day next season. Do you feel like now there's finally a little bit of closure uh, with how things ended for these New Orleans Saints, or do you think there's still going to be kind of a kind of a hangover, as you would say, um, just for a little bit longer? I think that I think that still be a little hangover. I think this is something. I mean, they'll say they moved on past it, but this will definitely be their motivation to follow next season. I mean, and I'm talking about the players. I mean, I'm not sure what the team logo will be. <laughs> this you know little slogan they had, you know. I don't know what it'll be this year, but I think um, it'll probably be something based on this play, you know, like just, you know, let's control it all ourselves and keep it out of the ref hands or whatever. I mean, I think this is definitely going to be something they'll use to uh, move forward and try to, you know, complete the deal next season. Were you able to talk to some players um, throughout the weekend? I know NFL Honors was over the weekend as well, and you were able to go to some different events. What were some of the players' reactions, even just being there? Because you can tell, I'm sure, that the fact that it was in Atlanta – Saints weren't in it. I'm sure that kind of rubbed players the wrong way a little bit, knowing that they did have to be there from some other obligations. But what were their kind of reactions and thoughts to this weekend overall? I know the players I really got a chance to talk to was um, with Drew was here, obviously. You know, you know, he, he was on every talk show, I think, in America. So mm-hmm. people sort of heard his comments. And, uh, he talked about Goodell and how he should have spoken a little bit sooner. Um, talked to Keith Kirkwood. And, you know, one thing he said, this is, going, this is just another test. And it's going to make the team better. You know, he's just a rookie. But... He understands the culture of New Orleans, and you know, there's one thing he talked about, like, like I said, is how going through stuff like this is going to make these guys hungry for next season. They'll be, you know, ready to go. Um, Alvin Kamara was here. Didn't really get to talk to Alvin. He was on a, sort of a tight schedule, but uh, just looking at him, I didn't. You can tell that you know he'd much rather than you know preparing to play New England or whoever instead of just walking around doing interviews. But uh, you know, he was there, and then uh, obviously Mark Ingram was here. Um, he's um, Thanks, Dominique, for man of the year. And, you know, he was sort of, you know, just excited about, you know, that opportunity to represent the team. But I didn't really get to talk to Mark much about the actual no call and, and, and being, you know, here in New Orleans. Uh, Cam Joy, you know, he had a lot of, um, he was hosting um, TV spots for, um, for the NFL Network. And just, uh, you know, he was just really, it <laughs> seemed like, you know, embracing it and enjoying it all. He was, you know, sort of Cam being Cam, I guess. And, uh, but, he, I mean, you know, deep down, he wanted to be playing as well. So I think the guys that, you know, had to come and, you know, handle their business and do what they were supposed to do, but deep down, they all want to be playing this week, and they're still sort of, you know, they're still hurting from it, I'm sure, and, and something that will motivate them going to this off week and get ready for next year. All right, give me your quick initial thoughts on next season. I know we're way too early. We haven't had a free agency, no draft, anything like that, but just based on this roster, and how you think it might play out throughout the offseason leading the next season. I feel like still for Saints fans, and uh, you can tell me too, your opinion, is just this, this uh, team looks really good for next year. The future looks bright for this team. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you look at what they have coming back, and you look at the, the combination of veterans and young players, I mean, it seems like the perfect mix. And obviously, the defense played really well this year. There's some guys, I mean, you don't know what their situation will be as far as coming back. You know, guys like Mark and Okafor, some of those guys who may get a chance to go out and test the waters or whatever. But I mean, I think this team is really um, the pieces are definitely going to be good. I mean, they may have to find a tight end with Ben Watson retiring. But other than that, I mean, I think the team is set up really well to make another good run at it. And you know, in the NFL, though, that window's really, really small, so you have to. I mean, it doesn't stay open forever. <laughs> and uh, the Saints have had two really good years back to back, and uh, 
you know, you know, this may be their their opportunity, and you know, Otis Briggs is getting older, so you don't know how much longer he's going to keep going. So I mean, this is the time the Saints can put it all together and catch all the breaks that you have to catch to to make it to the Super Bowl and win it. All right, that's Rod Walker who covers the Saints and the Pelicans and everything that has to do with the city of New Orleans for the Advocate. You can follow him on Twitter at rwalkeradvocate. Of course, he already has a column out based on last night's game. Make sure you go check it out um, on New Orleans Advocate and all their other platforms as well. Rod, I appreciate the time. Safe travels back to New Orleans, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, man. From football to basketball, time now to talk about the Pelicans. And joining me now, of course, on a Monday is Jim Eikenhofer from pelicans.com. But, of course... Let's continue with the football talks. We just had Rod Walker on from The Advocate, and we just talked about, Jim, it was a lackluster Super Bowl, and you were at my house watching a game, and I think you fell asleep about five or six times just based on how things went yesterday. Yeah, I think your daughter at one point had to put a blanket on me because she was worried that I wasn't wasn't warm enough when I was dozed off there. But, yeah, it was a, it was a rough game. I think um, it was the kind of game that only Thomas Morstead would love where there was just a lot of punting, so – if you were into punting, that was that was quite a phenomenal game, but otherwise, not so much. We were taking bets on whether which punter would win the MVP award by the end <laughs> of the night, it seemed like. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, – I don't even remember the names of either punter, but uh, <laughs> ultimately they didn't win it, although I think they could have made a strong case at, at one point that one of them could have gotten that MVP award. Clearly your favorite part of the night was Maroon 5 at halftime, correct? <sighs> you know, I was – you know, there was a lot of disappointing things about last night's game. For me personally, one of the most disappointing was that I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't watch any of the halftime show, but I found myself, I don't know, it was one of those things where I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I ended up watching and then regretted it. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't exactly a, a, a high moment of the evening either. I think we all regretted that decision of watching the <laughs> halftime show, but we, yes. but we kept watching. We kept watching. Yeah, we had nothing else to do, I guess, other than maybe take a nap, so... Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we missed the Puppy Bowl earlier, so there really wasn't anything else to turn it to. So. Man, that's, that's even more frustrating that I forgot about the Puppy Bowl. Don't worry, I so. DVR'd it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, watch it. I'll watch it later. There we go. Um, there's basketball going on tonight. Pacers and Pelicans, we'll get to that in a little bit. But since the Pelicans have been really shorthanded again, five-year top six starters out, and that will continue tonight against Indiana, Jim. The team is 1-2, and two, but it doesn't really feel like one and two. It's been actually some pretty exciting basketball these last three games, and just the fight from some of these young guys has been very encouraging these last couple this past week. Yeah, it has. I mean, if you look at the end of game results, I mean, you won at Houston the first game of this set of three, which the the main guys on the team also did win in Houston at the beginning of the season. But then the game against Denver was a one point game with a minute and a half left on Wednesday. Uh, you lost to the Nuggets earlier this year with a full team or some semblance of a full team. Um, and then the Spurs game, the Spurs were up by 22, but that ended, you ended up having a chance to tie with about 10 seconds left or 10 seconds or so left in the game. So in the last trip to San Antonio, the Spurs won very handily, again, against a team that was a lot closer to full strength. So it's been... It's been uh it's been fun inter- interesting and fun to watch. I mean, not just from the standpoint I think a lot of people are really happy with the effort and the hustle, but even just the bottom line standpoint, it's it it hasn't been bad. I mean, to win one out of these three games is and be able to be pretty much in every game, it, it's been pretty encouraging. Were you one of the ones that caught a bat on Saturday night in San Antonio? I did not. I did not. Uh that, that was quite a quite an interesting moment. Uh 
the cra- I think one of the craziest things was, and I didn't realize this until after the incident with the bat happened, that they had, they've had, I know that they had had incidents with bats before in that arena, but I didn't realize that they had, they've had a bunch recent and that the mascot was so prepared, obviously, that something like that could happen, that he's wearing a Batman costume. <laughs> so that was the, to me, that was the wildest part is this, that they were, it was so likely that something like that was going to happen that they were so, they were just ready for it. And right in the first couple minutes of the game, somebody said something about when they turn the certain lights on in the arena, it agitates the bats. And that's why they kind of, I think, knew that when the game started, that there was a good possibility that that might happen. But, but yeah, that's the first time I've ever seen something like that happen in the NBA before, especially with a bat. They apparently caught three, I think, pregame. There was an issue on Thursday, their game before that. There was more bats, so that's huh. why I think he was prepared. But it actually uh, made radio history on the Pelicans Radio Network. That was the play of the game by the Spurs Coyote. <laughs> we played that at nice. the end of the game. So props to the Spurs Coyote because he was prepared. And you know some of the Spurs players were throwing towels and the basketballs. Basketballs. Threw a ball, the ball at the bat. Yeah. If you can get Greg Popovich to clap, which he did after right. the Spurs Coyote and, caught and it. smile even, too. He smiled for a second, yeah. which I didn't know was possible. You you did a good thing. So that was definitely an interesting way to start the game. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to see some of these young guys really shine a little bit, and we'll start with Kenrich Williams. And he's got a cool nickname now with Kenny Hustle. First off, can we get you as cool of a nickname as Kenny Hustle? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Jimmy Paragraphs, maybe? Jimmy that, some, Paragraphs. Something like that. That could work. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to I think about it. that one. That was just off the top of my head, so you know I'm quite a wordsmith. I can come up with stuff instantly like that. But, but yeah, he's a uh, he's been playing playing really well, and I I just like the fact that he's shown different aspects of his game. He had a, a 16 rebound game against Houston. He had a career high 21 against Denver. The game against uh, San Antonio, it was kind of really more kind of an all around type thing where he had 12 points, eight rebounds, three assists had he was just in in on a lot of plays where there was a loose ball and he stuck his nose in there so um he's been part of to me what one thing that's been interesting that happened this week as well is just the bench I think I'd have to go back and look it up I know they won bench scoring against San Antonio 49 to 42 but it seems like the bench has been more competitive lately or more productive um offensively and in a lot of different aspects of the game and it's interesting when you think about that because you would think that if people second-guessed or criticized, questioned the performance of the bench earlier in the season, that they'd even ha- they'd have even more trouble because now you're taking guys that hadn't been playing before and moving them up to the second unit. You had guys from the second unit moving up to the first string. So a lot of times when that happens, it it, it hurts the, the, the bench more than it does the first string. But really the bench has been coming up with some really – great performances including what they did on saturday i know they outscored the rockets i don't remember about the nuggets game so it's at least two out of three that mm-hmm. you outscored the opposing bench but i'm glad he brought that up all right we got one nickname here i think we're gonna put this on twitter uh we need to do a twitter poll for a new nickname for you unless oh you don't allow it but if not oh i'm boy. gonna start I'm, calling I'm you. afraid of some of the write-in votes that are, are going to come from that that uh might may or may not include profanity and other utterances so i don't know we'll have to huddle on that on whether i want to want to take the risk of putting that out there. You either take the risk or I'm going to start calling you Jimmy Paragraphs. <laughs> so, choice is yours. Hmm. I kind of like hmm. Jimmy Paragraphs though. Huh. Well, I'll, we'll have we'll have to I'll have to think about that. <laughs> All right. Uh Frank Jackson, Frank the Tank. That's maybe his nickname right now, but we haven't gone to one with him, but another solid night for Frank Jackson as well, career high 25 points against the Spurs. Um another guy that's taken advantage of the opportunity, Jim. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this during the game Saturday that I think 
this could be something that really pays off for him this summer. I'm sure he's going to go back and work on a, diff- a lot of different parts of his game, but maybe from a mental standpoint too, uh, the, the kind of performances that he's had lately, including that one where he had 25 against the Spurs in one of the toughest arenas in the league, I, it can, you would think that it can only help as far as long term. And I think, you know, you always have the silver lining of when you have guys out because of injuries that you have other players get opportunities. And I feel like with both Kenrich and Frank, there's really no realistic way that you could have pictured that they'd, they'd get this type of opportunity to play if it weren't for so many different guys being injured. So they're they're definitely benefiting from that as well as Jaw Okafor. We were talking about – we've talked about Jaw already, so we've touched on Jaw, Frank, and Kenrich. But what about Sheck Diallo? Of course, I think he's kind of been up and down this season – um, we've seen some spurts of some good play from him when he's gotten the opportunity. Have you seen a little bit more development from him in the, at least these last few games? Yeah, I think he's been making progress. I mean, he still seems like sometimes he's just playing so fast, and I think that's probably that might be one thing that the coaches want to see more improvement from him on is just slowing down sometimes. I think sometimes when he makes mistakes, it's because he's playing a million miles an hour. But at the same time, I'd that's actually also one aspect of his game of what what you like about him is that he brings so much energy and he runs the floor so well and he plays a million miles an hour. So, it I mean, un, unless things change as far as sometime soon, which we don't anticipate, with di- different guys having a bunch of different guys get back in the in lineup, it seems like he'll have a chance to continue to keep making improvements and try to keep showing progress. The Indiana Pacers are in town. It's the first time we will see them this season, of course, uh, weather permitting, I should say, because last time these two teams met here at the Smoothie King Center, they had to come back. It is raining today, too, or at least it did overnight, so it's a little concerning. Let's hope we can get this game in, that's for sure. We don't want another postponement. But um, in a weird way, I feel like the Pacers or the Pelicans are in a similar situation right now, and, and let me get through this before you think I'm crazy. Um, of course, the Pelicans are very shorthanded. They're without their superstar, Anthony Davis, who's been out with that injury and, of course, everything that's going on. But now the Pacers are going through a change without their star and Victor Oladipo, who was out with that horrific ruptured quad injury. And since his injury, they have lost four of their last five games. They're in a lot better shape than the Pelicans record-wise as they're still in the thick of the Eastern Conference playoff race. But would you be in agreement that they are in some way, shape, or form in similar situations right now? Yeah, I think there's definitely some parallels that you could draw between the two situations. I think it's it, it has a, an impact um, mentally on both teams in, in different ways. I think the one thing that was tough for the Pacers is, in, in some ways I think it's tougher for the Pacers because obviously the way that it happened with Oladipo was very was tough to watch, as you referenced, and now they kind of have to adjust as far as not having him. And they, well, they lost their first four games without him. So, I mean, from that standpoint – it does seem like it took them a little bit to adjust. Um, but I think, you know, they have they have a lot of depth. So it's kind of a different situation because they, they have a lot more guys that have proven themselves in the NBA and that kind of thing. And also they don't have as many, in terms of number of guys, right. they don't have as many as the Pelicans do as far as key guys. But um, – I think they had they, they actually did pretty well. I think I remember last season they did actually they did terribly without him last year, but this year without Old Depot, but this year they had a decent record before this recent stretch where they lost some games. So um I I don't think it's gonna be 
I mean, it's it's obviously going to hurt them, but they have a lot of different guys that can step in, and um, they were used to him being out because he had missed some games earlier this season. Um, for the Pelicans, I think it's just a, it's a different situation because you have a lot of guys. The Pacers don't have as many guys that are in the situation the Pelicans do where it's players who barely played the first few months of the season, and now in some ways, in, in a lot of ways, I think human nature-wise, it's exciting for some of these Pelicans players to be in a situation where now they can – contribute so much whereas I think that on the Pacers and there's really not a lot of there's no positivity from that standpoint I think there's a couple guys that are getting more minutes obviously but I don't it's not like a team-wide thing the way it is with the Pelicans one of those guys getting more minutes on the Pacers side is Aaron Holiday of course the younger brother of Drew Holiday now three in the league and we've already seen plenty of Drew versus Justin matchups especially with Justin being traded to the Memphis Grizzlies but now this is our first crack at Drew versus Aaron which I'm pretty excited about it just because it's a it's another brother to go along, and we've seen how this family, how close they are. Um, and I actually haven't seen Aaron in person play. I've, I've mm-hmm. heard he's had a pretty decent season so far for Indiana in his rookie year, but I'm very encouraged by Holiday versus Holiday Part, I think, five or so this season. <laughs> yeah, Aaron um, didn't play in the game that Old Depot got hurt. He had a DMP in that Toronto game, but he's played double-figure minutes in all four or five games since that one. So he's definitely had an expanded role lately. And I think earlier in the season, it was the same thing that when Oladipo was out and maybe another guy or two in their backcourt, he got to play more. But I think Drew has bragging rights so far this season. I don't think, has he lost a game to a brother yet to, to, um, to Justin? I think he beat him when Justin was on the bulls. He and lost then he beat him, him on ML. No, he beat him on beat MLK him, beat him when he, I, he's either two and O or three and O I think against Justin so far. So I guess he's going to try to this season. So he's going to try to, stay undefeated and against Aaron and they actually play the Pacers twice this yep. month so it'll be a, a couple holiday matchups in a brief amount of time bragging rights at the dinner table for exactly the, for that family here in the next month or so right because then right. The, also this this week the Pelicans are in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies once mm. again so yes this is a this is a busy week for the holidays they might not yeah. have to travel too far they can just hang out <laughs> in New Orleans they'll go to Memphis they can go to Indiana they can come here that's right yeah yeah the 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 parents are definitely have a have a more uh, convenient February and that they'll get to see the combination of brothers a few times in the same game. Absolutely. All right, Jim, here we go. Pelicans and Pacers tonight from the Smoothie King Center. Of course, you can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer. Be sure to look out for our pregame report. Did we do Fireside Chat again? I, I enjoyed it. I say lost. yes. I say we bring it back. I, I say let's go for it. The It was a loss against Denver. But I don't think if you ask people that were at that game, the fans that were in attendance, that they were disappointed by what happened that night at all. So I say we I say we go back all in on the fireside chat. Let's do it. You can look out for our, our pregame report at Pelicans NBA following Alvin Gentry's media availability. So should be a fun one tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Jim, I appreciate the time as always. Sounds good, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll huddle on the nickname thing. Yeah, I feel like you're not going to want to post it. So Jimmy Paragraphs here inside Studio B. <laughs> appreciate Jim coming on and Rod Walker from The Advocate. That'll do it for today's show. Of course, come out to Pelicans and Pacers tonight at the Smoothie King Center, 7 p.m. Central. Um, if you're not going to come in attendance, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on News Talk 99.5. WRNO. Sean Kelly will have the Wednesday Black and Blue Report for you from Chicago, Illinois, where the Pelicans will take on the Bulls. They continue this one game at home, one game on the road, and again, the Pelicans will end the week at home Friday night um, against the Minnesota Timberwolves and Saturday on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies. Appreciate all of you involved that listen today. 
Have a great rest of your week. And until Wednesday's Black and Blue Report, and until tonight from the Smoothie King Center, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report, presented by CEO.